Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Good evening, everybody. Hello, this is William Powell, your host of the and Inside now, Acting Radio Show. Here's your host, show. William Powell. The king of DC media. Indeed, indeed. The king of DC media. Like the man said, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight's guest is none other than comedian Paul Singh. And you can find out more about Paul. Uh, he's also an actor. You can find out more about him at uh, www.comedianpaul.com. So the question is asked, who is Paul Singh? Well, Paul was raised in India and now lives in the Washington, D.C. metro area. He launched his comedy career after winning Toastmasters. That's an organization that I've been a member of for many years. He won uh, the Humorous Speech Contest seven times back in 2002. And he's performed everywhere from uh, the Apollo Theater Theater to um, Caroline's Gotham, Stand Up New York, and all the improvs nationwide. Just to name a few. He's also appeared on Dateline NBC and the Laughter Channel, as well as uh, many independent films. He's done national commercials. And he's basically known for funny, clean comedy. And he's one of the few comedians out there that can really perform in English, Hindi, Punjabi, and Urdu. And I don't even know what Urdu is. That's, that's a new one on me. So I see he's on the line, so let me let me bring Paul on, right on in. Good evening, Paul. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, Mr. Right. William? <laughs> good, good, Paul, man. Thanks thanks for uh for being on the show tonight, man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, my brother. Okay, so let's get started. So now, how did you start out as a comic? What made you want to be a comic? Well, it's a funny story. I um, I was I used to play competitive tennis, and I won a tennis league at my health club, and they gave me a scholarship in tennis. Believe it or not, five days of training at the Vandermeer Academy in Hilton Head. Uh-huh. Long story long story short, I ended up busting my knee playing tennis because we used to play 8 hours a day and I busted my knee playing tennis and the doctor told me after doing the arthroscopy he says, "Paul, you will never be able to run again." Mm. So I thought to myself, so I thought to myself, I go, "Is this going to be a problem or is it going to be a gift?" And I was quite devastated, so I thought to myself, "Well, you know, if I can't run, I'd better learn to be a good talker. So I took up Toastmasters classes, or to, I joined Toastmasters Club, and uh, I won humorous speech contest over and over again until all the way up to district level, which is a very wow, high nice. level. And so they, everybody told me, they said, you know, you should try your hand at a comedy club or an open mic since you do humorous speech all the time. So I went to an open mic and I did five minutes. And after I got off the stage, the booker 
or the guy who ran the comedy club, he comes to me, he says, you know, if you do 10 minutes like this, this Saturday, I'll give you 50 bucks. Nice. And to me, to me, that was like winning a lottery. 50 bucks for just talking 10 minutes? Shoot, I could do that all day long. And uh, <laughs> so I went there. <laughs> I went there. I did my 10 minutes. I, I got pretty good uh, you know, feedback, and I got 50 bucks, and that's how I got started. Nice, nice. Now, yeah, it's interesting. You said, you know, everything in life, can, it can either be a burden or a gift, you know, a gift or a burden. And you, you seem to be a person that's, that's really good at, at, at turning situations around. Yes, I like doing that because that's easier on me, and I always like the, the happy ending. You know, as a guy, you want a happy ending, no matter what it is. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So you were at the Apollo? How did that happen? How did you get up there? I was at the Apollo. Um, um, Russell Peters, I don't know if you've heard of Russell Peters. He was performing there, and I was his opener. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So then you were also in an Indian comedy idol. So is that kind of like American Idol? Yes, in New York, they had a competition where they took all the Indian comedians from the United States, which you might not think there are that many, but there are lots of Indian comics in in America. And um, they they chose, um, they chose, I think, 15 of them who they invited all of them and 15, I think, passed the first phase. And then we were, we had to compete in New York. And I was the winner of that. And it was quite a prestigious, um, I, I got very handsome amount of cash and also a lot of recognition. So yeah, it was, it was a very nice gig. Awesome. 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 So do you find that you, you get more laughs being blue or not blue? Well, that depends on the audience. Uh, if you perform at a nightclub uh, slash uh, a comedy club type of environment on a Friday, Saturday night, uh, you know, you're going to get more laughs if you're blue because everybody can relate to sex. Sex is a common denominator for a lot of people. You may not have knowledge of um, Ruth Westheimer, the sex uh, um, <laughs> therapist, but you know about your sexuality. So, you know, a lot of comics use sex as a common denominator to get laughs. Um, I personally don't like to use too, many, too much profanity because I have kids and I like to be able to put my stuff on YouTube and I wouldn't want my kids to be seeing that and, and having, you know, low respect for me. And secondly, I was trained in a clean environment. Uh, in a Toastmasters club, you're not even allowed to say the word damn. So since I was... You know, I, I started out my career in a clean environment. I always found it easier to not use blue comedy and um, just, just stay clean. So, um, and also it helped me construct the joke better because, you, don't, you know, a lot of times comedians, even if something is not funny, they'll make it funny by using the four-letter word or by using profanity. Um, and, you know, but... If you write the joke properly and, and you add the element of surprise properly, you don't have to use profanity. You can make just about anything funny. Absolutely, absolutely. So 
Talk a little bit about the anatomy of a joke. I know there's a setup and then the funny part. So how did you teach yourself right. how to write jokes? Well, actually, it's it's. Uh, thank you for asking. It's. Uh, I took I took classes and also I had you know I had the impression ability. Like if I saw somebody doing something uh, unique or interesting, I could copy it and I would make fun of people like that. And and but see that only carried you so far. Um, the anatomy of joke is set up and punch. You know, first you you set up the joke, which is um, the serious part of the joke. For instance. Um, Take my wife, please. Please. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so when you say, take my wife, um, people are anticipating that you will say, take my wife, for example. Or take my wife, for instance. She's good looking. She's a good cook. She's, she makes good money. And so you're expecting me to say something nice about her. And then, but when, when, when you say that word, please, it totally changes that perception. And all of a sudden, you're like fed up and you want to get out of it. So um, joke is written in such a way that whatever the person is expecting, you shatter that expectation. So first you set up an expectation, and then you shatter it. And that shattering is called the punch. And that punch or the shattering of the expectation is what gets you a laugh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So did you find yourself... uh watching a lot of comics in person to learn or was it one thing where you just watched on TV? I mean, how did you, what comics did you watch and how did you learn? Uh, well, uh, the, the learning part was very simple. I, um, um, I got this book by Greg Dean called Step by Step to Comedy and um, I, I read it back and forth hundreds of times. And then I took a class, um, I, I took several classes in New York at the New York School of Comedy um, where they taught you how to how to build a set, how to build a five to seven minute set, and then you got to perform at Caroline as your final exam. So that was kind of cool. And um, so there, right nowadays, there's a lot of venues, a lot of places that teach you how to write comedy. But the best thing to do would be um, to take a class, that take a comedy class, which is being offered at a lot of improvs and a lot of different places. I, I did that as well, and it really helped me because then I didn't have to rely upon just profanity or just making up hit and trial. I could sit down and, and, and within two hours write a joke on a certain premise and a certain topic instead hmm. of uh, trying to instead of trying to you know listen to jokes on the internet or or on the radio and copying copying them. I was able to create my own original material. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of comedy, I mean, I, it really has to come out of your own experience. I've, it does, I, I it found does. that the, the funniest one, yeah, it really it really comes out of, canned jokes tend not to work. I've been in Toastmasters, and it seems like I've, I have the battle scars to prove it, but I, I never, oh, goodness, I never really put necessarily jokes in a speech or definitely don't open with one because it's just, if something is canned, I, I find it doesn't work. It's risky. If, if it's canned, it's risky because if people have heard it, then that that sort of uh, uh, deteriorates the value of your speech because the minute people find out that the speech is not original, they lose interest and you lose respect. And secondly, uh, to me, uh, I do comedy because it's therapeutic. You know, instead of paying $300 an hour to a shrink, if you know how to construct a joke properly, you can do a lot of your emotional laundry. 
It's awesome. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I think I, I saw one of your sets uh, online, and you were talking about how humor can actually be used to counteract anger. Absolutely, absolutely. You can, you can, uh, you know, you can uh, take your anger and and convert it into jokes, and and you get the job done. You can, uh, you know, you can send the message and not get mad. In fact, you're laughing. And so it's very productive. Uh, comedians usually can do a lot of their laundry if they know how to write a joke properly. And it, it's amazing because uh, it really helps me turn my problems into a gift right away because the minute I can take a problem and turn it into a joke, I've already turned it into a gift because that joke is going to last me a long time. Yeah. Yeah, turn, turning things into gifts. So talk a little bit more about gifting. I know you're a big fan of self Gifting. I've never really heard about that. How how does that work? Well, here's the thing. I um I started a workshop called Happiness 101 at a senior center, and um, it's working out really good. And the ten principles that they talk about in those um in, in that that I talk about in the class is gratitude, purpose, health, gratitude, purpose, health, um, giving back to the society. Music, uh-huh. love and affection, uh, being in the moment, turning problems into a gift, and self-acceptance. And to me, self-acceptance is loving yourself, liking yourself. And, you know, you can say, I love myself, but when was the last time you gave yourself a gift? I mean, if you love somebody, mm. you buy them gifts. If you have a girlfriend or if you have a child that you love, you're always buying them gifts. But if you love yourself, you don't buy them gifts. And so I've decided that it's important to give yourself gifts because if you truly love yourself and if you truly accept yourself, you should be giving yourself gifts. And I try to give myself as many gifts as I can. And, and the best part is since I'm always turning my problems into a gift, I'm gifting myself all the time. For instance, um, just the other day, my, I have two bosses. I have, you know, I still have a day job and I'm, I'm, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I have two bosses and, um, they don't talk to each other. And when mommy and daddy don't talk, children suffer. And so they were causing me a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, um, especially my boss's boss was causing me a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. So uh, just the other day, uh, my mom was sick and I had to go see her, but my boss's boss writes me a nasty email saying, well, your project is still not done. And it kind of caused me a lot of stress. So instead of getting stressed, I said, well, is this going to be a problem or is it going to be a gift? I said that to myself. And that day, um, I got enough courage to fill out my papers and I, I told him I'm retiring. And I've been so relaxed since. It was like a nice gift I gave to myself. And, you know, so uh, instead of letting it bother me, I, I just used that energy to fill out the paperwork that I've been procrastinating on because when you retire from the government, you have to fill out a lot of paperwork. So I use that energy to fill out the paperwork and I turn it into the personnel and I'm all set to retire on June 2nd. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so uh... so th- that's one, that's one gift. And secondly, since my bo- two bosses, since I had two bosses all my life, um, I hated, you know, I hate having a boss now. So I've decided from now until I die, I'm not going to have any boss. So I'm going to work as a volunteer, Instead of work for money, I'm going to work as a volunteer, and, and that's going to 
relieve me from the stress of having a having a boss again and that's a gift to myself yeah and that and that's the way to do it yeah i mean that, that like you say it's is is it a uh you know a burden or a gift is it a in this, problem or, in this is it a yeah. problem or is it a gift problem or a gift yeah problem or a gift absolutely is it a problem absolutely. or is it a gift so next next time if you next time you're faced with a gun wrenching problem after you're done weeping and crying just ask yourself is this a problem or is it a gift yeah absolutely yeah now you're good at, at thinking outside the box so so kind of talk about how how performers can can stretch their idea muscle and and come up with with different approaches not only to performing but just uh like for example, I'll give you an example. Okay, what if I'm a young actor and I I need a survival income? What's some good ways I could stretch my idea muscle and, and come up with some good ways to, for example, make a make a living when things are kind of lean? Well, there are several ways. Uh, the the best way for uh, you know I like to make money is by exploiting my natural gifts. We all <laughs> have natural gifts. You know, yeah. and, and if she's a young act, if she's a young actor and a young actress, uh, and if she's really pretty, well, you know, she doesn't have to worry about a thing because she can go without her purse to a bar and get a free drink. Um, or, <laughs> you know, there's so many ways. But if you're a, a, a not so good looking guy like me uh, and, and you need money, you have to really stretch your idea muscle to, to make some money. Um, and over the years, <laughs> I've come up with a great idea. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I come up with a lot of good ideas, especially when I'm drinking. So um, people always tell me to go, hey, man, that's a great idea you just had. You should patent that. And, and I hear that all the time. And so I thought about it. I said, you know what? Patenting something is too much work. You know, who's going to go to the patent office, spend $20,000, hire an engineer, draw the drawings, and then somebody can steal your idea in a minute, even though you have a patent. So when people tell me, hey, that's a great idea, you should patent that, I just go to GoDaddy.com and I buy a domain name. And, you know, it's been really good to me so far. I've sold uh, several domain names for over $100,000. And, you know, for a little bit of registering work, uh, it pays off really well. And that's just one example. There's so many other examples. You just have to see what you're good at. If you're not good at coming up with ideas, then that might not be a good thing for you. Um, but you've got to find out what your natural talents are. A lot of people you know, don't even know what their natural talents are. They haven't taken the time to explore that. I was at a ship. Uh, I was on a cruise, and I met this really good-looking guy. And, uh, you know, he was married, of course. Um, and he was very, he looked well-to-do. He was very polished. And, and, and he had a PhD from Harvard. And, you know, in some obscure topic that I can't even remember, and I was very impressed by him. But then I saw him the next day, and he was so bored. Every time I saw him, he would be like, Paul, where were you, man? I'm so bored. Hang out with me. I'm so bored. And I felt flattered that he wanted me to hang out with him because he was bored without me. But on the other hand, I felt sorry for him that he had such a great knowledge and, and education, and yet he forgot to study himself. He forgot to find out what his qualities were, what his natural talents were. And he forgot to explore them. And now, even though he knows a lot about some obscure topic of nuclear physics, but he doesn't know about a thing about himself, and he, he's bored. He doesn't know how to entertain himself. 
So I think it's very crucial that we find out what our natural talents are. Once you know what your natural talents are, it's real easy to market because God's given everybody some unique natural talents. And we go through our life not knowing what they are. We just chase money or we chase stuff that everybody else chases and we forget about those natural talents. And then we end up wasting our life. So one of the things that I did early on is I found out what my natural talents are. And um, so, yeah, it's very crucial. Spend some time with yourself, find out what you're good at, and then the money will come more than you can imagine. Absolutely. That, that's right. That's right. So uh, talk a little bit about some of your acting. So you've done like uh, like independent films and things like that. So what are some of your favorite roles you've done? Well, absolutely. I, um, I once um, went for a role uh, in a movie, and it was, um, the movie was called 9-11. And it's not about 9-11, 9-11. It was about, uh, a, a, it was a horror movie where, um, you know, which was, the name was 9-11, but that's not, it, it was not related to the terrorist movie. A, and so they were, uh, you know, they were asking me, they said, well, uh, Mr. Singh, tell us about, uh, you know, how long you've been acting. So I said, well, let's see, I got married in 1989. That would make it, what, 26 years? <laughs> I got the part. <laughs> so so um, I've been, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, when it comes to acting, anybody who's been married and he wants to stay married uh, has to know some acting. Uh, that being said, um, I've, I've been uh, acting for 26 years, but in, in the screen, I've done um, all kinds of roles. In fact, uh, I was in an FBI national commercial for recruitment or CIA recruitment commercial, I'm sorry. And then I was... Um, you know, I've done a lot of fun stuff. Um, I've been with, I'm, I'm with several agencies, uh, talent agencies, and, and I get a lot of good gigs. I did a, a commercial for Mercedes-Benz one time. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I, um, I enjoy it. It, it. it also, the best part about acting is that it really helps my stand-up because when I'm playing, when I'm portraying a person or when I'm portraying or when I'm doing an impression, my acting skills come in really handy because... When you're doing an impression, you want to lock on to that person that you're impersonating. Yeah. Huh. How do you develop an impression? Is that something that – I think that's kind of like an inborn skill. Is that something that was inborn, or did you, you, you just it's, practice? It's, the impression development is inborn. Some, some, some of it is inborn, to be honest with you. You're absolutely right. But there is some that you can polish. For instance, um, I don't know if you've seen – Jimmy Fallon do Donald Trump. He he interviewed no, Donald Trump, but he uh, he interviewed Donald Trump on Tonight Show, and he also became Donald Trump. So it, it the the impression that he did as if the real Donald Trump was looking in the mirror, and it was awesome. Uh, but the the way to do impression is you study the character, you find you find the character that you like, and you have to do somebody that's that's very famous. You can't do somebody that's so obscure that you they don't even know who you're doing because that won't work. So you find like like Obama or, or or somebody that that's very famous that people know right away, and then you watch that character and you watch those, you know, those little innuendos, those little things that they do, like like how Bush used to use his hands and 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 shake his his head a little bit, and how um, how um, Bill Clinton would would use his deep voice like oh, I haven't seen anybody like that. You know, and so um, once you watch them over and over again and you lock onto some of those little uh, little, little things that they do, the little silly um, 
uh, things that they do are little, you know, and then you lock onto those and, and, and then you can develop that. And it takes practice. A lot of these comedians, believe it or not, will, will bore the heck out of you if you hang out with them in their private life because they keep practicing some impression and you have no idea what the hell they're doing, but they keep repeating themselves. And in their mind, they're yeah. practicing, but for other, for other people around them, it's very, very annoying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting, interesting. So we're going to kind of jump back into to, uh, comics here. So I'm going to uh, throw out some names of some, some comics and uh, just kind of give me your quick impression of the, and, uh, what, what made them, what makes them unique. So uh, first okay. one I'll throw out there is uh, Kevin Hart. I love Kevin Hart. What makes Kevin Hart unique is the fact that he's not afraid to make fun of himself. Kevin Hart, uh, uh, I love his line when he was making fun of his daughter. He says, you midget bitch. And, and that was his, daughter's impre- his, his impression of his daughter about his dad. You midget bitch. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> next. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. I love Chris Rock because Chris Rock is not afraid to say anything. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he's, he's not afraid to say, speak his mind. Um, uh, he, I love when he talks about, uh, you know, you want to cheat, but you can't cheat. You want to cheat, but you can't cheat, you know? And, and, and how he talks about how he cheated and his girlfriend now, um, and now he thinks that his girlfriend's going to cheat. So, it, it, like, he, when he talks about relationship, very, very well done. All right. Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah is, is excellent. I've, um, he, he's the one from South Africa, right? He's got his own show. Uh, I like him. I, don't, I haven't seen much of him, but whatever I saw, I liked it. I think he was very clever, very funny, and very polished. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is so cool. He's, he's a pasty white guy who pretends to be a loser, and, um, uh, you know, that's his catch. He, um, he, he talks about how uh, women deceive him. People, you know, like like he, he's just a loser in the society type of deal, and uh, and that's his that's his niche. Huh. Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari is he got famous from his uh, uh, show Parks and Recreation. He's got quite a following, and um, he uh, you know he does pretty well. He doesn't do any ethnic humor. And, and and I, I that kind of I, I wish he did because I think he would have a lot of material there and it would give him a nice niche. But he's got a good following. He's doing very well. D.L. Hughley. D.L. Hughley is so funny. Oh my God! I um uh, I've seen him. I, I love him. I, I you know it's, it's it's he's got great material. Very good, very good presentation. He does great material and he's got great punches when he. When he throws the punchline, it it really, really, really hits you hard, and I think he's very funny. <laughs> yeah, man, Dio Hugo, he'll have you uh, hyperventilating. One of the things I like about him, he's like a combination of just flat out funny and cerebral at the same time. Make you think at the same time. It, it, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. Who's your favorite <laughs> comedian? I think uh, Rock is probably my favorite. I mean, Rock is good. Hughley is great. Uh, there, there's so many good ones. Trevor Noah is, is pretty, 
yeah, very he's brilliant. Uh, he's insightful. Brilliant. Yeah, he's very brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Louis brilliant. C.K. Yeah. has a has a good uh, perspective. They're, yeah. they're all good. Uh, late great right. Richard Pryor was was good, and uh, late great Robin Williams was was pretty awesome too. Right, right. Robin Williams was brilliant. It's a shame that that you know he couldn't. Uh, um, you know, he had to go that way because he was my idol. He was so so talented, and uh, you know, so yeah. So there's some great actors, great great comedians. Um, I saw Robin Williams live at the Comedy Store in L.A. Awesome. Yeah, and you know these these big names when they when they go to a comedy club, they will bump off people for them. You know, you you could be the headliner performing, and all of a sudden Robin Williams or Jerry Seinfeld shows up, they'll pull you off. And say, okay, sorry, you gotta yeah. go, and um, you still get paid, but you don't have to do any time. And I feel sorry for the comedians who have to go after these big names like Robin Williams and, and Jerry Seinfeld and all that, because then you're in trouble. Because you know, following them is very hard. That's when you just go home. You just you just tear up your ticket and just go home. Say, I, I was sick. Right. I was sick. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, you you take your money and you go home. <laughs> That's right. Take take your money and run. No when to hold right. up. No when to fold up. No when to run. Right, walk exactly. No when to run. You know, comedy is such a. Um, it's like it's like um, um, bodybuilding. You know, you have to keep working at it. You take the same joke and you say it a hundred times, and every time you tweak it just a little bit, just a little bit. Even though to the naked eye it might seem like you're doing the same thing. But you're tweaking it, tweaking it just a little bit. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Um, you know, you're tweaking yeah. the joke just a little, little bit every time, and then it gets better and better. And next time, you know, like in the in the old days, you would have a comic who would have only ten minutes of material, but he would tour the whole country doing the same ten minutes, and he would have it totally tweaked by the time he was done doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's been great. Uh, so I know you have uh, comedianpaul.com. Uh, so just also put out there your email and how you, people can book you and uh, some of your projects and dates you have coming up. Right. My my website is comedianpaul.com, and my email address is comedianpaul at gmail.com. And, uh, I, I, you know, I do weddings, parties, permits, and funerals. The other day I was doing a show, and I said that, and this lady came to me, and she says, Really? You do funerals? I said, yes. And she says, well, I would like you to perform at my husband's funeral. And he was standing right there. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like don't you think he should? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I get all kinds of uh, gigs, and it's a lot of fun. And it's amazing how more and more people are adding comedy into their parties, even if it's a, a, a baby shower, you know? And, and yeah. it's, it's fun. It's fun when you have to create the material for them because, you know, you go to a baby shower, you can't be talking about... Um, you know, horses dancing or whatever. You got, you got to have a pertinent material. So it's fun when you have to create the material on the spot that makes us more dynamic and more spontaneous. And, and you know, it's like, it's like food. Uh, when you go to a hibachi kitchen and they cook the food in front of you, even if it's not uh, tasty, it, look, it, 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 feel, it tastes good because it's fresh. So just like that, comedy, when you create comedy right in front of people, um, out of the out of nowhere, it, it just it just it's so much funnier. You know, it's fresh. It's not canned. Absolutely, absolutely. That's great. Okay, Paul, it was awesome having you on the show. Definitely have you come back on the show, man. So uh, thank I you. Wish thank you, you. Well. Appreciate it. 
Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you for having yeah. me. Take care, Will. Absolutely. Have a good night. All right. Happy New Year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. So uh, let me leave you with the thought of doing something for your career every day and breaking a leg. Good night. Good night.